My talk's entitled, What is Free and Open Source Software? Um, a little bit about myself. Um, my name's Aaron Finnick. I'm sometimes known as Phoenix. A lot of people know me as Phoenix. I've been president of the Linux Society for about three years. Um, today is my last day. I stand down and uh, the new president takes over. Um, I've watched, over three years I've watched probably two to three hundred people go through free and open source software from installing operating systems to making applications work, um, all while being part of the Linux Society. Um, I try to be technically helpful whenever I can, but I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a technical guru or anything like that. It's just experience. Um, I do quite a bit of podcasting. Um, I'm, a, I'm doing a talk later on today about podcasting. Um, so if you're interested about that, I've written a few how-to guides and tutorials, and I've spoken a number of subjects with regards to to Linux and free and open source software and its concepts. Some personal details, feel free to drop me an email, hopefully I'll get back to you. You can follow me on Twitter, um, the website URL, you can find my, my podcast at hackerpublicradio.org um, and there's a number of different people that podcast for that organisation. Hopefully things that we're going to learn today is what makes, you know, what actually makes something free software? You know, why is freedom in software so important? Uh, kind of the history about where we come from and, you know, where you're likely to see free software being used. For me, you know, why is free software kind of so important? Personally, it's an informed choice. And the more choices that you have, the more informed you are about any decision that you make, ultimately is a better thing. Um, more options, fingers crossed, means more solutions. Um, and for me, free software is about making your PC work for you. Um, as a society as a whole, not the Linux society, but as a society as a whole, the free software is important because it enables us to share questions and share knowledge and, and be adaptable and flexible. So just a quick, rough kind of outline of what I'll be talking about today. But we'll jump straight into it. You know, in the beginning, you know, there was a light, and then all of a sudden, God knows how many years later, computers came about. And since computers were made, you need a way to manage them. Uh, and in there becomes operating systems and so on and so forth. And it's all these technical, wonderful terms that, that really most people don't see or, or are interested in hearing about. But really what free software is, it's an ideology, it's a concept. In the beginning, people used to share software um, <coughs> quite freely, you know, and you used to give, you know, you used to share source code and so on and so forth. And the source code is the recipe for making a program. Everything, everything that has a program has a source code, um, and it's kind of critical. It's like a, an instruction to your computer to tell your computer how to make this software work. Um, and in the beginning, people used to share that software very freely. Um, there's a guy called Richard Stallman who founded the Free Software uh, Foundation, started the GNU project and was the author of GPL version 2, which is a, a key document in, our, in, in the free software world. Um, basically, what had happened is he'd used to work for the Artificial Intelligence Lab at uh, MIT, um, and what had happened was is they 
basically, the, you have one printer for two floors. And obviously, whenever the thing ran out of paper, you send a print job and no one knew it was out of paper. So he'd wrote in a small application to put into the printer that would notify everyone on the two floors that there was a paper jam or that it ran out of paper. Brilliant feature, more than happy to pass it back to the company. Um, and MIT brought a new, basically a new printer and this piece of software didn't work so he decided he was going to rewrite the, the, the print software again. And he contacted the organization and said, could I have a copy of your source code for the printer? And they said, no. It's our property, you can't have a look at it, look at your licensing agreements. Even though that he wasn't commercially trying to sell that software, he was trying to get a feature that made the work easier for them. Um, they still didn't really want to share. Um, and he, you know, he kind of gets left with this taste in his mouth that this just isn't right. You know, I have a right, you know, we've bought software from you, we have a product from you, and yet we can't do anything with it. Um, so he starts the, the Free Software Foundation, which I believe is 20, you know, 15 years old or 20 years old now. It's, it's, getting, it's getting along. But free software definition is, is really easy to kind of explain. And you're free to use and free to redistribute. That's in the concept, really, what free software is all about. That you can take an application and use it for any purpose. And a lot of people get confused with free software and freeware. I'm sure we've all heard freeware before. Um, and freeware is a piece of software that has restrictions. It doesn't cost you anything, but you know you can't use it for commercial use. You can't use it in academia. Well, free software is a lot different. One of the core concepts in free software is you're free to use the software for any purpose. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're a school, a business, an individual. You're free to run that software for any purpose. Some of the terminology that I'll use today, you'll probably hear people talk about FOSS, which is just basically free and open source software. Um, as they've touched on freeware, shareware, and shared source. These are all very, very different to free software, very, very different in the core concepts and the ideologies and so on and so forth. Uh, and you may hear me use terms like developers and end users. Developers and end users are exactly what it sounds like. A developer is a person that makes an application, an end user is a person that uses it. Um, and you'll hear me bang a drum all day long about the ethos of sharing and you'll probably see a lot of people out there talking about sharing, you know, sh you know sharing software and sharing solutions and so on and so forth. But sharing the recipe, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's, in free software it's not about reinventing the wheel. You know, if there's a solution, because the company, you, you, you know, I, I find it personally a very strange concept that an organization owns an idea. I, I, I find it alien. I'm sure a few people in here do, and, and some people have probably never thought about it. But how something works, a company like Microsoft or Apple Macintosh or all of these, they own a concept, an idea, and you, you're licensed to use this idea of theirs. The problem is, is when they solve a problem, they keep it to themselves, then they don't share it. And which means that we have to constantly reinvent the wheel every time there's a problem. We're not, in this model, we're not sharing. So every time there is an issue, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, well, hundreds and hundreds of people are, are, are having to deal with this problem, and yet, you know, one organization may find a solution, and yet they don't share it because they own that solution. Um, for me, 
you know, you, you have a lot of experts around the world in free software. Firefox, and, and Firefox is an example of open source software. It's a prime example of it. Um, I mean, how many people in here have heard of Firefox? Just do a straw poll. So, everyone. I mean, it's, it's a big brand, it's no surprise. You know, they're, they're big and famous now. But their source code is open. People can take Firefox and they can redistribute it and do lots of weird and wonderful things and they're allowed to do it. There's some issues with Firefox with the branding and the, the icons and stuff like that. They own those sort of things. But you can take the Firefox source code and you can make, you know, the Phoenix web browser. You know, and I can make all of those changes and modifications. Um, but Firefox is an example of, a, of an organization that has probably thousands of developers working on it at any one time. And yet none of those developers, most of those developers are not getting paid. They're doing it because they want a feature and programmers tend to do, you know, programmers tend to do program solutions to things, you know, do logical solutions and, right, I want to do this with Firefox, it doesn't support it, I'll know what, I'll, I'll modify the source code. Uh, but Firefox is a prime example of an organization being able to, to benefit from sharing its, its ideologies. If you speak to people throughout the day, they'll tell you lots of interesting stories about how Firefox came about and, and you know, all of that. It's, it's quite an interesting story. Um, one of the great things with the sharing, though, is that it doesn't matter if the chief developer disappears because, you know, the source code's open. Everyone has a copy of the source code. So it doesn't matter if the company that, that developed the source code goes bust. That source code is available. And I, I've often talked about if you're a company and you heavily rely on a piece of software, um, and the company that supplies you that software goes into administration, goes bust, or something like that, you've got no technical support for that package that you use. And you, you can't look at that source code, you can't do anything, you're locked from it. Well, in free and open source software, you don't really have that problem. It doesn't matter if the developer disappears, it doesn't matter if you fall out with the developer. Because source code is universal. People, you know, you can employ, even if you're not into software, you can employ someone to do it for you. You can say, right, I really want this feature in this program. I'm going to pay a developer X amount of pounds. Could you build this for me? Uh, and it's one of the great freedoms that you, you would think if you, uh, that's the sort of freedom that you would want in your everyday computing. And I know that you guys are probably not really interested in source code, but the fact that you could get someone to help you and look at that source code and make something. It's a very key, important part of what we do. Um, and one of the key things that I mean, I've been banging on for for years, probably about three or four years, is this concept that software is documentation. Documentation is software. Developers probably any developers in here will probably get exactly what I'm saying straight away. But what really source code is, as I said earlier on, it's a recipe, and what that, that recipe is written in a programming language, you know, like C or so on and so forth. Now, it doesn't matter if, it doesn't matter what your, your vocal language is, source code is basically the same. And programmers can look through source code that was written by a Russian and an English person can look through that source code and go, oh, that's a nice way you solved that problem. And oh, I see that how he's done this. And they might not be able to read the comments or anything like that, but they actually get to see the logic of that. And in that case, really, software is documentation. Documentation is software. And this is the concept that, that, that the source code has to be shared. I mean, you can't really talk about 
free software without talking about the evil twin proprietary software. Um, it probably is easier to understand free software by describing what proprietary software is. Proprietary so if free software touches your life every day, proprietary software is something you live with every day. Um, proprietary software is basically, you know your home PCs that are probably on Windows or, or Mac OS or, 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 you know, they're owned by an organization. You don't buy a copy of Windows XP, you license you're licensed to use a copy of XP. And what that is, is you don't have the right to, to look at the source code, you don't have the right to modify, you don't have the right to do anything. You know, you basically have this operating system shipped on your computer. Um, it's an, a, an even crazier concept when you take away the fact that most of you have brought a copy of Windows XP without realizing. When you buy a brand new computer, you didn't get Windows XP for free. That was built into the price. And those manufacturers sell, you know, pay Microsoft a small percentage uh, of, of the, you know, I think it's 40 quid or 70 quid or something like that. I can't remember what it is nowadays. But long and short of it, that's what proprietary software is, is this locked software that you don't have any options, you don't have any choices, you don't have any freedom. Um, and it's, for me, it's a big worry. If you have a problem with your operating system as a Linux user, I. I'm able to have a look at what's going on in my operating system. If I have a problem, if I want to do something, I want to work on something, I'm free to do that. I enjoy that freedom. I don't have those same freedoms afforded to me on this proprietary ownership model. Um, and, you know, Windows XP, Windows, I'm going to pick on Windows and I really didn't want to do that. But, you know, when you think about how many Windows systems are out there, there have not been people that have chosen, got up in the morning and decided, you know what, I really want to run Windows, I'm going to go and buy a copy. People are just running what they shipped, and they're not running anything else. So, really what's made it dominant in software is not how good the software is, but how good the marketing deal is. And that's really, that's really a bugbear in, in, if you think about the fact that you would like to think that you make decisions based on the best information that you possibly can and that you would use the right tool for the job. But you're not being afforded that. You know, you're, you, it's not the best tool for the job because you didn't have a chance to evaluate it. It could quite possibly be the best operating system for you. I'm not disputing that. But you didn't have an evaluation period. You didn't, you didn't get to try, you know, maybe some of you have experienced, gone and tried different operating systems and so on and so forth. But for most people, the decision is not based on it being good, quality, ethical, right. It's not based on any of those. It's based on a marketing deals with software houses and hardware manufacturers. So, you know, this is kind of what software freedom is really about. Um, this leads to what's what's commonly known as vendor locked in. It's, it's, how many of people have, how many of you people have heard the term vendor locked in before? Just raise your hands. Right, well, vendor lock-in, for those that haven't heard it, is when you rely on a, um, a product from a, an organization so heavily, it's almost like a drug. You almost become addicted to it, and you can't withdraw from it. Um, like, some of the gateway sort of examples would be um, universities that run Microsoft Windows. They can't tomorrow decide uh, they, they, say Office, is a, Microsoft Office is a great example of this. Organizations find it very hard to move away from 
Microsoft Office, even if they hate it, even if it causes them problems, even if, you know, even if it's the bit that they really want to do it, the fact that they've relied on it for so long that retraining everyone and stopping that, that proprietary format being, being used in, a, in like an academic environment is incredibly hard to do. And that's where the term vendor locking comes in. I mean, even if you wanted to leave, you don't have a choice. And that's the problem with proprietary software. There's a very interesting book called The Cathedral and the Bazaar. Um, I, I, I touched on Mozilla, well, Firefox, earlier on. Um, if any of you guys have got the time, you can find online versions of this book. And you can obviously buy it. But it's a very interesting book about the whole free software environment and, and how it's very, very different to the commercial aspect. The com it, it, it can draw similes and say that you know, if software house, you know, if software develop, if software development itself was a cathedral, then free and open source software would be a, a, a little bit like a bazaar, where you would have lots of developers working on lots of little different things, and they're all trading and sharing and bartering, and, and, and it's a very interesting book, and I would employ you if you have the time, you can find a copy of it. Do do read it. Before I carry on, is there any questions so far? Brilliant. <laughs> I'm either doing an incredibly good job or I've bored you all to death, one of the two. Um, like I say, I mean, I could bang on and how, I, I hope that I've done a good enough job of explaining the difference between proprietary software and free software that I don't really need to, to go through this. Um, but I often think it's, you know, secret as a commodity versus sharing as an asset. You know, and I, I've touched on this before, a company holding on to an idea as though it's, you know, as though it's, the, you know, the, sec the second coming of the Messiah and all of this sort of stuff. And you have organizations like Ubuntu, well, Canonical, who open up their operating system and share it and, uh, and still benefit from it. Um, di the thing with Linux is it's incredibly diverse. And Linux, I'll pick on Linux slightly here as well. Linux is, uh, how many people in here have heard of Linux before? Awesome. Uh, well. Basically, Linux is a free and open source operating system that doesn't have the the same sort of lock-ins that Windows XP and Mac and all those, those kind of guys have. Um, but the thing with Linux is is that it's made by the people, really. There's no other. It's almost like a communist open source, you know, communist operating system in some ways. You know, it's made by the people. The people use it. The same people that use it develop it, so on and so forth. And there's one. Flavor is probably the best way of putting called Ubuntu. Uh, there's lots of different flavors in Linux, lots of different flavors. I mean, if you want to do scientific stuff, there's scientific Linux distributions. If you want to work on audio stuff, there's audio distributions of Linux. But in Ubuntu, a prime example of this diversity in action is Ubuntu has tons of derivatives, and I've just listed a couple of them. And Ubuntu is the main one that they ship. Ubuntu, if you don't like the way the desktop looks and you want to use a different desktop manager, you can use KDE and that's got Kubuntu. If you wanted to turn your PC into a, a TV, you could use Mythbuntu. If you're an education institute, you could use Edubuntu. And, uh, and if, you're a, a, you know, if you're into making music, you could use Ubuntu Studio. We've actually got a demo of that outside today as well. Um, and that's just an example of when something's free and it's not locked down, you, you, you enable people to, to run with ideas and work with ideas and, and move forward. What free software doesn't mean is free as in cash. 
it's a big, big, big misconception about free software. Um, unfortunately, it's a term we've gone too we've gone too forward to, to to come back from using the term. But free doesn't refer to it not costing you anything. Free refers to the freedoms that free software give you. It's a misconception that you will not be charged for free software. Right? That's wrong. You, most cases you'll not be charged. But free software, you have the right to sell free software. I have the right to take Firefox, brand it my own, and then sell it. And you know, sell it to you and you get and I'm not breaking the law, I'm living within the rights of, of the agreement itself. But what I have to do is those same freedoms that I took, I have to pass on to you. And that you can buy my 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 Phoenix web browser and you can go home and say, that's a really good idea, I want to do that. And you can rebrand it and do whatever you want and you can sell it. That's perfectly fine, that's perfectly legal, that's acceptable. That's the whole concept of free software in a nutshell. Because you, because you work on something doesn't mean you have to give it away. Um, I mean, examples of free software being used and modifications. If you work on something, it's another misconception that if you make free software, you have to share the source code. That's a massive misconception. What free software actually is, is you have to share the source code if you distribute the program itself. So if you were a bank, you're sitting there thinking, oh, if we use that open source software and we write a, security, a secure protocol for it, we're going to have to share it. You don't. As long as you don't sell or redistribute that, that, that piece of software, you don't actually have to share it. It's a bit, a bit out with the, the spirit of things. An example, really, is Google. Google hugely benefit from free and open source software. They've got free and open source software, they rewrite the stack, they do lots of weird and wonderful things, and they don't pass anything back. But Google don't sell search engines. If Google was selling Google search engines as a product, they would have to share the source code. But because they're, they're not, they're, they're selling a service. Uh, they don't, which is, you know, some people don't like it, some people do. Um, so really, freedom really could just be called socially moral in, in software. Um, and you'll hear people use terms such as, oh, it's free as in freedom, not free as in being. How many people have heard that term before? It's, it's a mantra, I'm sure. We, I should have got everyone in the morning saying that before we open the doors. <laughs> as I say, I, touched, I talked about source code and, and, and you know, all of that sort of stuff, but out of free software came open source. And open source is, you know we have this when I talk about free, when I use the term free in here, you're probably all still thinking of cash. It's just one of those words that are ingrained in people's psyche. You know, you say free, oh, if it, can't, if it doesn't cost anything, how can it be worth anything? You know, and it's, it's a completely different argument because we're not actually talking about money, but there's this stigmatism that, that's tied into it. So a concept of open source started getting played about and, and started getting used because it's a little, a little bit more uh, easier for accountants to understand. You know, and you have to be honest, you know, you go into an organisation with these preconceptions, say, why don't you use free software? Well, if it's free, how can it, you know, how can it be worth anything? It's like, oh, you spend half your time making arguments about, you no, know, it's about, you know, about a mindset, a concept that's nothing to do with money. Really, the answer was, we'll just call it open source. And you go into organisations and say, all right, we'll use open source. Oh, open source, what's that? Well, the source code's open, it means we can look at it, and blah, 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 blah. It's a very friendly term, but they are actually different. Um, 
I've had the benefit of watching and listening to a lot of Richard Stallman's talks and a guy called Eben Moglen is kind of like the, the, the lawyer for the Free Software Foundation and very heavily involved in writing the, the, the licenses and that. And I've seen him have a very, very rough run at open source because what it actually does is, in his mindset, dilute the, 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 the argument that we're having. We should, be, we should be going into organizations and explaining, no, it's nothing to do with cost. Diverting that argument is actually going to cause us problems in the future. It's an interesting concept that actually open source is not good for free software. But for most of us, open source is awesome. There's no other way of putting it. Really great thing, a lot of fun to be involved in. Uh, but if you speak to people, they'll speak to people out there, they'll talk to you about it all. Um, really, it re really kind of started with the user group kind of culture and all that, you know, started with the Homebrew Computing Club. It didn't start there, but it's a very prime example of people building computers and sharing software and working out how to do things. And, and you know, Jobs wasn't engaged. They were all, in some way, shape or form, had some contact with the Homebrew Computing Club. Um, Bill Gates wrote a, a very famous letter uh, about, the home, about users basically copying his operating, uh, copying his, one of his programs and not, uh, not paying him a license for it. So he, opens an, he writes an open letter to the, the Homebrew Computing Club, uh, basically saying, no, <laughs> it's not right, you shouldn't be doing this, you should pay us, blah, 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 blah. You can find that online, it's very easy to find. Um, open source itself is, is a lot wider and more well known than that, but Really, it comes from the spirit of hacking, the playful, not as in, I'm going to take your bank details, but the, the playful exploration of technologies. Um, Richard Stallman was you know, quite heavily into to, to artificial intelligence at MIT, so that's why I've got him there. You can see FOSS in lots of different places. Um, many people, oh, I'm not going to ask that, but Dundee City, Coun uh, Dundee City Council heavily use uh, free and open source software when you're paying your council tax or when you're looking at, at one of their websites. You know, one of their websites is using uh, a Linux distribution called uh, SUS and um, is using uh, an Apache web server, which is, which is free and open source software as well. Um, lots of web routers and set top boxes and all of this sort of stuff use free and open source pro software. Uh, you probably use it every day without realizing it. Um, I, I want to wrap up because there's other talks on and I, I don't really want to bang on about free software all day. Um, is there any questions or thoughts or anything like that? Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.